0: Hey, thanks for listening to Everyday Greatness. It's a nice little show brought to you by our major sponsor. ARA Group, an employee-owned company that provides essential services for your facility and infrastructure and is one of Australia's biggest supporters of community projects. Everyday greatness isn't rocket science. We're just trying to make you feel proud again of simply being a good, solid human being by speaking to some real people who found that the strength they needed to deal with any challenge in their life had been inside them the whole time. The ARA Group is proud to stand alongside Everyday Greatness, and we all hope that you enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to Everyday Greatness, and thanks for listening. I'm your host, Barnaby Howarth. This is a show designed to celebrate the greatness inside everyday people. I want to start today by thanking the traditional owners of Australia. The entire team at Everyday Greatness want to acknowledge all Aboriginal people in Australia, past and present. We want to thank them for sharing their land with us. We don't for one second underestimate the pain that's been caused in this country in the past, but it's an as- absolute privilege to live here today, so we thank you for sharing your land with us. For some people in the world, it's an honour just to know them. And my guest today, Order of Australian medalist. Charity auctioneer Scott Gibbons is one of those. Scott's happiness and infection for Scott's happiness and infectious enthusiasm for life makes it an honour just to know him. When you see challenging situations in the world, some people make you feel good about the challenge you're facing, and Scott Gibbons is one of those people. I met Scott. on a diabetes education cruise hosted by the Danny Foundation a few years ago. Most of the guests on these cruises were newly diagnosed diabetic children who got on the ship uncertain about their place in the world now that they were diabetic. They felt like the needles associated with tubes stuck into their bodies and all of the cords and wiring made them feel odd. But as the MC of the cruise, the diabetes education cruise, Scott made these kids feel like people without diabetes were odd because of his genuine interest in their bravery. Scott is an award-winning auctioneer and was an award-winning auctioneer in the late 1990s, but he decided to devote his skills to charities. Scott is now a charity auctioneer at groups such as Enough is Enough, Variety, the Eggtober Foundation, the Danny Foundation, Foster care angels, caves to waves four wheel drive adventures, homicide victims support group, and the Victor Chang cardiac research group. Scott's happiness and enthusiasm for life has helped him closer to home as well. Scott's brother Burke recently lost a battle with cerebral palsy. Burke lived an incredible life. He suffered horrible practices in old world, old world mental hospitals. But rather than, live bitter and a jade, rather than live a bitter and jaded life, Burke used his experiences to motivate him to make the world a better place for others. Burke became a local legend on the Northern beaches. He was always out in his wheelchair selling pens for charities. Burke was awarded an Order of Australia Medal himself for charitable fundraising a thing that must run in the family. Listening to Scott reflect on Burke is why it's an honor to know Scott. Burke was 76 when he passed away. And Scott always used to say about Burke, Burke, was such a fighter. We were told by doctors that he most likely wouldn't live to be an adult, but he's proven all of them wrong. Scott Gibbons is a successful man. He gives everything he has to charities and people who need it more, and success has found Scott. If it's an honour just to know Scott, it is an absolute privilege to welcome him as my guest on Everyday Greatness. Scott Gibbons, welcome and thank you for joining me.
0: Barnaby Health, superstar.
1: As a real estate auctioneer, you won a golden gavel with a number one salesman in Australia for Century 21 13 times and you are inducted into the Century 21 Hall of Fame. You must have been a pretty bloody good auctioneer. Why, why didn't you just keep playing that game and feather your own nest rather than become a charity auctioneer and give away to other people?
0: Yeah, what the heck. <laughs> I love what I do, Barnaby. I love what I do. And the, the people that I would help find a home, sell their home, Rehouse their family, do all the things. That was the joy. And it still is. I still do property auctions. Property auctions are still a major part of what I do. And they're they're terrific. I'm freelance, so any agent can bring me from anywhere in Sydney and I'll show up. Yeah, you know, that's that's the game. That's the fun. And everything I do is fun. So that's what it's all about. Why I gave it away. Ah, there was other things to do. So and helping charities is a major thing. I just love helping the charities raise as much money as they possibly can.
1: That's very well said. That should be etched on your gravestone. Everything yeah. I do is fun. Thanks, Buns. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about, I mentioned earlier we met on the Jellybean Cruise hosted by the Danny uh, Foundation.
0: Yeah. Tell yeah. me about
1: those cruises. Why did you find, why do you find diabetic kids so brave?
0: Mate, they inspire. I have no idea the the pain strain that not just the child goes through because the, the type 1 is, is not type 2. Diabetes, unfortunately, you've got type 1, you've got type 2. Type 2 is many people refer to that as being I've eaten too many potato chips and soft drink and sat on the lounge. Type 1 is something that you don't have a choice. It can get you and it can get you at at a very, very, very young age, you know, just an infant, or it might be, as we've met other kids that have been infants and caught it, and other kids who have been eight and nine and they've caught it, and other ones have got fourteen and they've got it, and, and people all the way through into their forties and so on, and it's just one of those things that captures them, and, and once it gets them, it's got them, and there there is no—I mean, you've got type one. That's why I met you on the cruise. Fortunately, I, I don't, but I, and I didn't know what type one was, Barnaby. When they invited me to go on and be the MC, I had no idea. No idea. I didn't even know how to spell type one. Didn't know what it was, didn't have a clue. But by golly, once you go on one of those and you learn and the experts they take on board, the, the endocrinologists, the, the nurses, the the people that just look at dietitians that, that help you. It's just amazing the depth of expertise that we'll go on a cruise to help the kids and their families and their siblings. So not just the mum and dad. We've had grandparents on board. We've had parents on board. We've had the kids on board. We've had uncles and aunties. But it's the siblings, those that don't understand what the other child is going through and the the massive ups and downs. Oh, huge. So, yeah, I'm – I'm with the kids all the way.
1: Well, you may not know a thing about diabetes, but the Danny Foundation is all the better for having you on board. (laughs) So thank you for what you
0: do for them. Oh, (laughs) which
1: You, What do you get back from the world being a charity auctioneer? You must get some warm fuzzies from raising so much money for these groups.
0: Yeah, and that is the joy. But, you know, I might be the auctioneer, but you've got to look at the people that do the buying. And the people that do the buying, they're the generous ones because you know they're sitting in a room and it might be it might be a trivia day, it might be a golf day, it might be a gala night, it might be something absolutely spectacular where they're paying a thousand dollars a ticket. But they're generous and they're the people that are buying. And the people that buy are wonderful. It's everybody who attends one of those functions is equally as wonderful because they're supporting that particular charity. And there's some there's some ugly reasons for having a charity. There's some real bad things out there that some people have and if you can help, if you can make it easier, terrific. I, I did one a little time ago for the Lung Foundation. Everyone's born with lungs. But until you find out that some people can have a bad thing happen to their lungs, not being a smoker, you know, not being a smoker. People think if it's lungs that you're a smoker. No. No. There's so many folks that catch something in their lungs and it's horrible. And so I get to learn so much about humans and some of the pains and strains they go through. Oh, it's bad. It's bad. But you know, you've you've gone through some pains and strains yourself, Barnes.
1: Very true, very true. But we'll uh all those in a later episode. <laughs> And I, so, look, I look forward to interviewing you on that. <laughs> I can't wait. So you are Mr. Sold. As an auctioneer, your yeah, yeah, trading Sold. name is
0: Mr. Sold. Mr. Sold, yeah, M-R-S-O-L-D, Mr. Sold.
1: As an auctioneer, you're up on the stage literally by yourself. You you try and get people to put their hands up and donate yeah, yeah. money. Yeah. But you've said quite often that your, your auctioneer business is a team effort. Oh, total. Tell me about your team and what makes them tick. The team is the
0: lovely Rhonda. The lovely Rhonda. Rhonda is the team. The team. There is a huge team. As she said, I'm the feet on the street, but she gets the work done. (laughs) So I'm the show pony. I'll do all the things for the show. But nothing happens. Nothing, N-O-T-H-I-N-G, happens without the lovely Rhonda. She makes it all happen. I can't function. She does it all.
1: That answer just highlights just how humble you are as a human being. No. You, you talked about your success in the auctions as being, coming from the people that it's put all their hands it. it's up. It's all Rhonda.
0: It's not me. Do you ever? <laughs> and as the, such, and it's those people that put their heads up. You're right. Yeah. I'm, I'm just a facilitator.
1: As such a humble facilitator, <laughs> do you ever walk down the street and puff your chest out, lift your head up? Look at all the other people and go, oh, you guys are just schmoes. (laughs) Who who else have you got an Order of Australia medal?
0: (laughs) No, no, mate. What you've got to look at is the people that have it harder, you know, the people that have got a challenge in their life. And it might be a challenge in their family. It might be a a, a relative. It might be a sibling. It might be a mum, a dad, somebody that's having a challenge. And those people... That's that's why everybody has got to puff their chest out if they if they're an able-bodied person. Go out and do something for somebody that isn't able-bodied. Very
1: good answer. Now tell me a bit about your brother Burke. Oh man! What sort of
0: man was he? You're going to get me teary now, Barnes. If if people hear the little quiver and the tears coming through, oh man!
1: Happy tears, proud tears.
0: Yeah, Burkey, Burkey was born. I'll tell you the story of Berkey. He was born in the back of an ambulance. I think it was 1946, something like that. Born in the back of an ambulance. So mum was told, and dad, for that matter, don't have any more children. So there was a – don't have any more children. Uh, staunch Catholics, they had more children. And and Berkey was the next one in line. Uh, and – yeah. the doctor had said, if you're going to have more children, do not come back to me. They went back to the doctor and the doctor refused them. They then got into an ambulance and went to, went to a hospital and the hospital was too busy. And so they went to another hospital, but before they got there, Burke was born, in the back of an ambulance. Now, in 1946, I don't know, you probably had a, a, a six-volt battery probably that the globes wouldn't have been that good. The medical care would have been as great as it was for the time, but certainly not what it is today. We don't know what causes cerebral palsy. It could have been the cord wrapped around his neck, could have been anything. But he was born, in colloquially RS. Everything about him was a problem. Everything about him, except his brain and his heart and his desire. But everything else was a challenge. So speech, swallowing. He had 60% use of one hand. The other hand was just a a nothing. Uh, His feet were like pretzels. But he was a beaut bloke. A beaut bloke. A bloke's bloke. Mm.
1: Sounds like you're very proud of your brother. Oh, man. When your entire family must have been really proud when he was awarded the Order of Australia Medal, how did you oh. personally feel as his brother that he was bestowed such an honour?
0: A bit stoked. A bit stoked. <laughs> and and he deserved it because what he did, he had every reason. And This is the important part. He had nothing going for him except drive. So he worked for about 20 years at Centre Industries and he would pull a lever. So 20 years pulling a lever. He couldn't – his body couldn't bend. It was a static body. So if you put him in the front seat of a car or back seat of a car for that matter, within, oh, three yards, he'd submarine down onto the floor. So it got to a stage where I I wanted to – have him bend, if you will. Have him bend so that he could actually sit in the seat. And uh, he he went and had some talks with doctors. And they all agreed the best thing to do is just chop his legs off. Now, he, the legs had never been stood on. They were brand new. Never been used. Like still under warranty, but they were useless. So he he didn't want that. He didn't, He wanted to stay intact. He wanted to keep his legs. So we found a... Beautiful doctor called Dr. Bruce Shepherd, who became president of the AMA. And Burke and Bruce became best mates in the end. Best mates. Bruce Shepard started the Shepherd Centre for deaf children because Bruce had two deaf children. When we're taken, I've taken Burke to see Bruce Shepherd. A lovely man. Now Burkey's in a wheelchair, seatbelt on, fastened in so that he can't slip down. His right hand, as I said, was pretty useless. Absolutely useless. His left hand, he could use it. Bruce, being a lovely fella, squatted down to talk to Burke at eye height. Squatted down to talk at eye height, at wheelchair height. Beautiful. But he chose the wrong side. He chose Burke's left side. Burke, didn't like doctors. So Burke, just out of the blue, and I'm watching this happen, he threw his left arm out and put Bruce Shepard, super-duper doctor, into a solid headlock, solid headlock, and said to Bruce Shepard, we're not going to hurt each other, are we? And Bruce Shepard, with his eyes bulging (laughs) and me saying, Berkey, release, release, (laughs) Bruce Shepard has said, I think we'll get along just fine, mate. (laughs) I I think we'll get along just fine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> got Berkey to release and, and from there those two just became mates. Berkey kept his legs, Bruce kept his life. It's <laughs> a very interesting <laughs> start. And, and then Burke asked him, and this was the thing about Burke, Burke would always ask questions, always ask questions. So when he asked Bruce about Bruce and Bruce then told him about the Shepherd Centre and the deaf children and so Burke became, uh, he then devoted his life, if you will, to the Shepherd Centre and so he gave away pulling the handle at the Centre Industries and he said, I'll raise you some money. As he did. He went and bought some borrowers, put them in the front of his wheelchair, went down to Manly, went to Chatswood and he'd sell pens. Brilliant salesman. Couldn't speak <laughs> too good, but brilliant salesman. Oh, man, it was good. And he... In doing that, became the highest individual fundraiser for the Shepherd Centre. So when you went to the Shepherd Centre head office, they had this huge, mammoth, massive, gigantic sign with all these corporations on there and one individual, and that was Burke. And then later on, they named a Shepherd Centre the Burke Gibbons Shepherd Centre. That's a huge wrap. Not only a huge wrap when they... They ended up having to knock that one down. Something happened and I think the site was worth a lot of money. So they bought some more land, built another one and they renamed it the Burke Gibbon Shepherd Centre. So he just didn't get one. He's the only person with two shepherd centres named after him. (laughs) Brilliant fellow.
1: As he should by the sounds of it.
0: Oh, yeah. So So then not Sorry.
1: There can't be too many families in Australia where two of the boys each have an Order of Australian Medal. (laughs) What did your parents teach you and Burke about giving back to the world that means you both, you're both so charitable?
0: Oh, man, I don't know. I think I, I, I learnt from Burke. I, I learnt my charity things from Burke. Burke, he taught me. Yeah. He was an incredible teacher. If you spent time with him, he would teach, not with a lot of words, but with deeds. He, At his funeral... I found out more about him and I thought <laughs> I thought I knew him but he had other lives. So when he was down at Manly, he would meet people. He'd see people who looked worried, troubled, concerned, out of sorts and somehow he would talk to them and then they would open up to him. And he had friends that, were so staunch, so strong, so wonderful from every sector of life, from every sector, like mega, mega stellar people, business people, whatever, he'd adopt them all, but they would adopt him stronger. Beautiful. Beautiful. So man.
1: You once asked Burke if he would rather walk or talk. Yes. What did he tell you? Talk. Why is that?
0: Because he, he had a story to tell. He wanted to help the world. And he could help the world more by talking to the world because his intellect, his brain was just, he was an absolute genius that locked into this body. So if he had a thought, by the time it came out of his mouth, which was a garbled mouth, wasn't clear speech. So by the time, but because the cerebral palsy affects the muscles, in it can affect muscles all over the place. But he had mouth muscles that were not good and throat muscles that were not good. So his speech wasn't great, but you could understand him if you if you focused. Uh, and, and so we all learnt to speak burkey and uh, he would he would want to share his knowledge. So if he could have normal speech, yeah, oh we gave a we gave a talk then one of the charities asked Burke to be the speaker and I went and spoke with him. So I interviewed him and he gave me the answers and then I'd, I'd put the answers back into English <laughs> for those that didn't speak Burke. Man, he was so good, you know. Yeah.
1: Now that Just is so good. That is love of a brother at the highest order, Scott. You are an incredibly happy person, Always bubbly, effervescent, happy. Mm. Do you ever come home and just have pardon the swearing, just have the shits with the world?
0: No. Not Never. really. Not really. If if you look at the disabled world, Eugene Chong. When mm. when yeah. Eugene Chong, you listen to his story and tell me if you can be if you've if you're able-bodied, if you've got hands that work and feet that work and lungs that work and eyes that work and you can talk and walk and, and and the world to you is what's termed or you are what's termed able-bodied. If you are able-bodied, you do not deserve the right to have a bad day. You have not earned the right to have a bad day. If you're Eugene Chong, if you're Barnaby Health, I mean you've had so many things stolen from you. Like you've got type 1, that's a challenge. You've had a stroke, that's a challenge. You've got brain injury, so to speak, of some sort. That's a challenge. And yet you get up and you smile and you get out of bed. You hear Eugene Chong's story where he had a time where he just (laughs) every day, even still every day, he is out of balance. That's just not fair. So anybody who thinks it's a bad day or they're in a traffic jam and it's nasty or the train's running late or the bus is running late, if you can stand up and wait for the bus, if you can catch a train without a wheelchair, without a walking stick, if you can walk up the steps, it's a great day. If you wake up alive, it's a great day. It's incredibly well said. What about
1: happiness in society in general? Are we happy human beings these days or are some people a bit too glum?
0: I think social media has made a lot of people nasty, nasty, because they can hide their nastiness behind a button. So, yeah, I like – I think if you could wind the clock back to pre-social media, it was a much nicer place. People were nicer. You can say nice things on social media and people should – But so many people are getting their heads chopped off now. for something simple, something simple where somebody says something and somebody else sees the total opposite. They see white and somebody else sees black, but they get aggressive. Not fair. Not fair. Let's share a smile.
1: Totally agree. So let me ask about happiness and how we achieve it. Is it possible in this social media generation Mm. to just flick a switch and go from glum to happy in an instant? Or is it an accumulation of small happiness over a long period of
0: time? I think it's a degree. It's a degree. If you have practised being happy, and and being happy is a practice. Everybody can have a bad day. Don't, Don't get me wrong. It's not the world of Pollyanna. Anyone can have a bad day, but you've got to be able to focus on what is the bad and how do you turn it into good. That's what you've got to do. Like just... If your world hasn't ended, then it's still a good world. <laughs> you know, you, you're not in the Ukraine, Toto. You know, <laughs> like if, if you're in the Ukraine, you're allowed to have a bad day. I'll accept that. Whether you can walk and talk and whatever, you're allowed to have a bad day. But not here, not in Australia.
1: Fair enough. You've heard it from Scott Gibbons. Who is the one person in the world you think, wow, they seem like a really good human being?
0: Gee, that's a terrific question, Barnes. There's so many. I'm not going to individualise one. There's the there's same so, – I meet people because I help so many charities. I meet people where their stories are just – just – Ken Marsley, you're going to be talking to Ken Marsley. Yeah. When you talk to him, like gee, there's pain. There's pain. You know, like somebody stole his son and in doing that they stole his grandchildren. It, Try and balance that out and and see how you feel. I've got another lady who runs a charity, wonderful charity for gynecological cancer called Egg Toba, E Double G Toba, Egg Toba. Wonderful, wonderful charity. That lady's going through pain and strain and she's had so many challenges. And yet, you know you've just got to look at those people and say yeah they are people i look up to but there's so many bands you know you've just got to look around the world and and people that you meet in everyday life they're the ones that you can look up to they don't have to be a celebrity they don't have to be on tv or on a movie screen or on a record label it's the people you meet and they're the ones that can inspire better than all of those people on the mega checks
1: very good answer. And what finally, what have you thought about being the co-host of Everyday Greatness for
0: season five? <laughs> that was a, that's a funny thing, Barnes. When you ring me up and said would I do it? And of course I would but I had no idea what I was getting in for. (laughs) It's a laugh. It's terrific. I mean, you and Dion, Dion who produces this, he's just a, a superstar at producing. You make everything happen. You type everything out, give me the questions and wind me up and let me loose. But it's getting to ride the horse with you, and that's the joy.
1: It has been a very good horse to ride. Scott, thank you so much for being my guest on this
0: episode of Everyday Greatness. Barnaby Health. a lovely joy being with you.
1: And thank you for being my co-host on this entire season. It's been an absolute pleasure having you by my side. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to the the ARA Group for being our major sponsor for the fifth year in a row. Thank you to Dion and Luke Studio Australia for recording this podcast. And we hope that when you put your device down in a little while, you lift your head up, push your shoulders back, and walk down the street proud of being an everyday Joe or Joanne bag of donuts. We hope you can join us next week where my co-host, the incredible Scott Gibbons and I will be talking to Eugene Chong, founder of Chemism. Chemism helps, helps people with disability find self-employment. Eugene became a person with disability after he, after he had a stroke after finishing an industrial design course at university. And he was offered menial jobs like data entry and packing boxes. So Eugene decided to take destiny into his own hands and start a business of his own. And now through chemism, Eugene helps people with disability add the value they know is inside them. We hope you can join us for that one. But in the meantime, if you'd like to find out more about this show, go to our website, everydaygreatness.com.au or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube or LinkedIn. Thank you again for listening today and thank you again to Scott Gibbons.